Salutations, I'm Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to a matinee cast presentation of Wicked Little Town. It's the audio postcard that I traditionally send out from TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. It happened just this past 10 days, September 8th to the 18th, here in my hometown of Toronto, Canada. Um, and it's uh, it's Saturday. It's bright and sunny. It's all of a sudden, of course, as soon as we turn on the mic, <laughs> got loud, loud. Oh here God. in downtown Toronto. Um, we hope that this works. If it doesn't, I don't know, skip ahead to the next episode. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> welcome, listen, welcome to TIFF, really. This is the thing. This is, this is actually very apropos because you're right in the heart of things. There's always something unexpected going on, whether it's a flash mob or a protest or, you know, just even just traffic, really. Um, and that, that's part of what makes this experience great. Um, we're, we're here, we're, we're home. Uh, I all of a sudden live right in the middle of Festival Village, yep. which is strange in its own right. And I'm joined today um, by one of the people I saw the most this week, um, and somebody who I always love having on the show, Hilary Butler, who's been writing at uh, Live for Films. Uh, How are you? <laughs> Good. I'm still tired. Yes. <laughs> this is, this is, I mean, um, back in the day, take, I used to, two. yeah, uh, back in the day, I used to record three or four of these as the week went on. Yeah. I, I'm convinced you could hear my energy dip and dip and dip as the week went on. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just happening at the end, so everybody's just running on fumes. Yeah, exactly. And and running on not good nutrition. There's only so many times you can eat popcorn and yeah. things, you know? Yeah, no, green vegetables are actually pretty handy. But, uh, yeah, and I mean, I think that after not doing it since 2019, my stamina is, like... I mean, we're getting old. A hit. There's that too. Don't tell people that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let them in. Exactly. So first of all, like while you're here, right off the top of the show, I need to thank you. Uh, I also need, I don't know if she's going to be listening to this or not, but I need to thank Mariah Gates as well. My attack to TIFF this year was very, very haphazard. You were a huge benefactor in terms of getting me to shows. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Mariah, if you are listening to this as well, thank you so much for that. Um, uh, my, my week was smaller. Uh, your week is larger. I want to start off by talking about the actual experience of going. Mm-hmm. So we've had, you know, last year was back to in-person, but it was a strange experience. The year before, everything was locked down. So even though they did try yeah. doing some in-person events, it really was almost entirely digital. Now we're kind of back to before. How did you find the experience this year? Um, well, yeah, I mean, even th- I think even last year I only did, like, five films in person. I mm-hmm. think the rest of them I did digital. So, yeah, getting back to doing, I think, 24 out of the 28 I watched were in person. Um, as the week went on, you heard more and more coughing and sputtering <laughs> in theaters, which is a little disarming. Yeah. Um, especially for people like you and I who have been fairly COVID, uh, you know, conscious, I suppose. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of, probably one of the first times I've been in such a massive group of people since, you know, all the pandemic stuff happened, um, you know, save for maybe a baseball game or two. And it was, you know, being in a confined space with that many people for, you know, hours upon hours upon hours was, I guess, a little disconcerting. But uh, I seem to have come through it okay. Unfortunately, some of our colleagues, not so much. Yeah, um, yeah. I do there, know that there were some fallen soldiers There's a few, a few men and women down. Um, but, uh, but yeah, overall, like, I mean, I think the excitement was back. It was nice to kind of feel the buzz in the city. It's always been my favorite time of year in the city, just even walking down Festival Street and, like, seeing the people out. You could almost kind of forget that anything else was yeah. happening. Um, the celebs were all back this year, which is great because that hasn't been the case. Um, and for me, like, who loves taking 
photos and kind of being near red carpets and stuff like that, it was it was really exciting to have that uh, aspect back. With your permission, I want to include some of your photos in the show notes. Yeah. So if people want to kind of get a glimpse of what Hillary was, who Hillary was seeing and what <laughs> Hillary was seeing, take a look in the show notes of this episode. Your photos are cool. Your photos are always so cool. I'm oh, always thanks. so jealous. Uh, and you got a lot of good ones. I got yelled at about my camera this year. So my experience did not get off to a yeah. great start because that was like my first screening. I... I think for me, the, the, the thing that, that kind of jumped out the most is this was the year where um, the festival collapsed down onto King Street West. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've both been going long enough that, I mean, we've both been going long enough that we can remember when Bloor Street mm-hmm. was part of it. And then the festival started moving south and south and south as time went on and yep. venues changed. Um, they now have it for who knows how long because it's Toronto and things get ripped down and built back up all the time yeah. but they now have it entirely within four square blocks yeah you know which on the one hand I mean if you're somebody who's not doing this festival it's great because then you can avoid it yes. pretty easily yeah, well, that's true. you know for a yeah. while there when it was everywhere it was kind of hard for to drive sure. or walk through um, but it's it's a strange strange is not the right word but it's it's an interesting footprint of having it all in one little tiny space I do part of me in a romantic way misses being in different parts of the city like moving up onto Queen West or moving up to Ryerson or certainly in the old Mm -hmm. days going up to Bloor and trying to get back and forth I assume this is also me talking from the luxury of only doing eight films because (laughs) if I was like you and I was doing 30 or some of our some of the people we know who do 40 or 50 only having to traverse four square blocks is probably a luxury hundred percent. Yeah, as opposed to in the past, needing to go two or three subway stops. Yeah, or like, you know, a 25-minute super fast, speedy walk, yeah. which is often yeah. how Hopping in a cab, hopping in an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> happening. Um, and you would have to build that into the films that you saw. And sometimes maybe you'd be like, oh, I'm never going to make it up to Ryerson in time. Like, yeah. So you had to, like, not do that. I didn't have those issues this year with conflict of space. Right. I mean, also didn't get to go to... It's the Thai place Salad King. That's your like favorite. Yeah, that's your yeah. I didn't get it? to go. Yeah, I didn't get so, to I mean, go. So I kind of feel like that that was missing. Yeah. I like to go to the Queen and Beaver. Shout out to the Queen and Beaver. Yeah. Really close to Ryerson to do writing. So I did miss those sorts of those um, sorts experiences of spots. and spots. But overall, it just made it so much easier. And I still got all my steps in. Yeah. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's not going to be within their control just because, as I said, like venues are slated to potentially change. If they can keep everything the way it is now, I'm sure they will. Yeah. But it, they're they're at the mercy of venues. Um, so that was the one thing. Um, I did notice, like you said, it's very much back. Like, you know, closing off King Street West for Harry Styles. Yeah. You know, or, or just <laughs> basically Swift. like t- Taylor Swift taking over the light box. That is <laughs> very much... Yeah, that is very much in the old school way of like when Brad Pitt would come into town. Sure. or Or Clooney or one of those. And they would like, you know, block off the road. Right, that felt like it's been missing the last few years. So that that's that's all part of the before times. Um, I, I, you know what, I I was actually quite enjoying having the at home option. They really dialed that down this year. Um, com- I mean, compared to the last two years of what was available to rent. Yep. Um, even just being able to tell people you can watch some of this stuff at home. 
Yeah, I felt like they didn't really put that out there very no. much, to be honest with you. No, like, they, I, I actually kind small. of forgot about it. And I was like, oh, I could have maybe like fit in a couple more films had I known that I could have done it at home. But I, I completely just forgot. And yeah. I think that's all in grand design. It, I mean, it is. It's it's unfortunate because it, it does make the whole thing more accessible. Uh, I, I, the ones that I did watch at home, it's not like they just left the dregs online, right? Like, they left some, they, they put some pretty good stuff online, but it was really clear this year that they had clamped way down on that. It wasn't the same as the past few years where Nomadland was on demand and mm-hmm. Power of the Dog was on demand. This was very, very much the smaller films with without the stars. So I do, from the experience point of view, and certainly from, like, accessibility and being able to spread the word, I do miss that part. Yeah. Uh, I wish they would come back. I saw eight films you saw what did you say 29 28 28 yep um was there one or two that jumped out for you as like favorites of the week yeah um, and you know you're you're better at kind of doing some of the smaller films than me but i will say that no, no, yeah, listen the, there are no rules um, here i know i know um because i do love to like do shout outs to the smaller guys but to be honest with you the whale is still the one that i think about Tell people the about most. the whale because I feel like that's it's become like a, just a one word thing that I know what yeah, it's about yeah. and you know what it's about but I, I feel like not everybody listening to the show may know. So the whale is based on a play first and foremost and I do have a definite bias to movies that are based in plays and yeah. little chamber pieces which is exactly what this is. It's basically about a man who has um, a lot of grief and trauma in his life which I did find was a overwhelming thread I think yeah. through TIFF this year. Yeah. Um, who dealt with it by emotionally eating and he is now at the stage where he weighs 600 pounds um he is basically stuck in his apartment where he has the help of uh, a nurse friend um played by hong chow who's i think amazing in this film um who gives him the limited medical care that she can outside a hospital where he refuses to go to. Gotcha. Um, And his main goal, as she tells him that he is now in congestive heart failure and going to die, is to reconnect with his estranged daughter, who's played by Sadie Sink from Stranger Stranger Things. Stranger Things, right. Okay. Um, Who is getting most of the, like... Love. Love. Well, Frasier's getting a lot of love. Frasier, like, everybody's talking about how Frasier's back. But Hong Chao, for me, is the... Oh, see, I love hearing about, like, a chamber piece where everybody's on point. Yes. I love hearing about that. Everybody, and I think the other guy who shows up in it as, like, a missionary who comes knocking at his door, um, I think the actor's name is Ty Simpkins. Okay. Um, and, uh, again, no weak links here, but I really want them to push All, for Chow to get um, This is a movie, it was, this is directed by Darren Aronofsky, who I feel like people have forgotten about since... Black Swan because he did Noah which I love but nobody saw and he did Mother which a lot of people saw that a lot of people saw a lot of people but he also hated. did The Wrestler which was also but that's kind back, of a but I mean, story about The Wrestler was 14 years ago daughter. now you know and, and even Black Swan was 12 years ago now he, he hasn't done a lot of features in between and yeah. it's not like you know he's been around he's been doing stuff but just not a lot of uh, his kind of thing mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm interested to see like him back on the scene um, my my favorite of the week um, and I went in predisposed to love so it, it, I was just happy that it stuck the landing because it checked a lot of boxes for me um, my, my favorite of the week was Sarah Polly's little not little women women talking <laughs> Sarah Polly Sarah Polly would probably make a great little women I'm pretty sure at one point or another yeah. she was supposed to 
I would say this is a close second for me as well, by the way. Okay, so then in that case, I'm glad I grabbed it. And we could talk about it. Uh, Women Talking, uh, Sarah Pauly. Sarah Pauly has also not directed a film in a long time. Mm. Um, She has reasons, which if you want to know why, read her book. Um, She, this is her first film since Stories We Tell. Yep. uh, And that was 10 years ago. Um, it's based on the novel of the same name by Miriam Taves, a Canadian writer, and it is just about, it is literally about women talking, uh, a Mennonite community where the women have been sexually assaulted, and it has come to light that, no, it is not the work of God or the devil or your own sin taking over, it is men, because it's always men. And the women now understanding this, like, without question, are like, all right, what are we going to do? And they come down to three options, either stay and do nothing, stay and fight, or leave. Uh, And they have to have a conversation amongst themselves about which option they are going to do. And this is a cast that goes and goes and goes. Like, Claire Foy is in this, Jesse Buckley, who I'm now convinced any movie she is in, I'm going to go. Because even whether or not I like it, like, I mean, I didn't even really love men, but I, that sounds great. But I, but I loved her. I, I know. But I loved her in it. Yeah. Um, you know, Wild Rose I love. Actually, that's the, that's the interesting thing. Now that I kind of go back amongst her movies that I've seen, I'm not really crazy about them, but I'm always loving her in them. You know, uh, so she, her, Claire Foy, um, Rooney Mara is in this. Um, there's more women, but of course now I'm drawing a blank. Francis McDormand's in it for ten seconds. For ten seconds. Uh, and and you know we, we do have we do have one some, man. Some like, Canadian icons. Yeah, we, uh, Sheila McCarthy. Sheila McCarthy's in this, um, and then Ivy. we have we have Ben Wheatley as like the token good guy who actually is Ben Wishaw. What is it? Ben Wheatley? Yeah. Ben Wishaw. Ben Wheatley's the director. Yes. Um, I love this movie. Yeah. so much it is so handsome um, it, it could have been a play it's not oddly enough like you could tell how it's a book yes uh, it looks so gorgeous I love that it takes um, a situation where everybody is like we need to do something and they're basically pulling at threads of what they're gonna do because I feel like that is something that is not discussed enough that even though two people can be on the same side of an issue they can disagree on what the course of action is mm-hmm. um, and have to have that conversation. And it's not always an easy conversation. And, no. you know, it, and they, they work in lots of shades of gray in this movie, not mm-hmm. just from a color palette standpoint, which is mm-hmm. they do take a lot of the color out of it. Yeah, it's very threadbare. Um, but uh, I mean, it's not just good and evil. No. Right. There's there's steps in between there. Yeah. Um, and especially when you have very. Um, about religious beliefs like these women do in this Mennonite community um, those shades become sometimes even grayer yeah um, and so it was it was really interesting just watching these women have this debate mm-hmm. and hearing all their different opinions and voices because they're all very different yeah a lot of them get that a lot of them get the speech yeah you know like in every movie there's, there's that that kind of stand up and cheer speech yeah that that's that's given to a few of them. Claire Foy gets a speech and Jesse Buckley gets a speech and then Rooney Mara gets one or two speeches. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic movie. I'm so happy. I, I want to see adapted screenplay for Polly, like nominated. I mean, I'd love to see down. director for, for Polly too. That for sure. To be honest. But yes, I would love but to see that. But definitely adapted. And Claire yeah. Foy was just a machine. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. She's incredible. Uh, the movie's incredible. I really hope people, um, 
get out and see it. Uh, did you have like was there another one that like jumped out for you as a favorite of the week? Um, you know, I, I will say there was a there was a couple, and um, one of them was a really cute little rom com from the UK, okay. which is going to be out in the UK and hopefully out here at some point. <laughs> called What's Love Got to Do with It, which okay. has nothing to do with Tina Turner, right? Um, but everything to do with um, a guy who is of uh, Pakistani heritage uh, going through the motions of finding of finding a wife through what he's terming an assisted marriage. Um, and his childhood next door neighbor uh, was played by Lily James, who is a documentarian following him through the steps of this. And they uh, do go to Pakistan and it's beautiful and luscious the way that it's shot is stunning. Um, and it was just a nice refreshing slant on the rom-com genre where they, um, I think I said to you the other day, like they don't spend a lot of time in rom-coms in this space between passionate love and the friend zone and right. most of the movie stays within that interesting area okay i do hope that that i mean it, it, that's that's the thing is like we've been going along enough that it used to be that something would play a festival and then just kind of get buried now everything shows up somewhere yeah this is a question of where i think for me another one that really latched on um this week uh was the one i saw last night called I, I believe it's called um saint omer it might be saint omer or saint omer uh it's french it's directed by alice diop not to be confused with anna diop the actor mm -hmm. or maddie diop the director yep. and it is it's a trial um it's a, it's a, it's the story of a trial of uh, a woman who I don't even want to say specifically like the, the the programmer who was introducing the movie like straight up just said this woman's on trial for this and I'm like can we just sit down and watch the movie and not have <laughs> you tell me everything um a woman's on trial but the whole movie is just is primarily the trial and it's long takes and people like answering questions for long stretches and just basically daring you to look away and that, I think, is what this movie does so well, is we all know she did it. Like, that is actually not up for discussion as to whether or not she did what she is on trial for. The whole trial is just to try to understand why. And if why is, is convincing enough to not actually find her guilty under French law. There's a character who's basically our witness, who we, like, we keep on watching it through her eyes. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's not the kind of thing that, like, I'm happy I saw it in a theater. Because if I watched it at home, I probably wouldn't have been as as yeah. in it as I was. And it's um, it's Diop's first feature. Like, she makes documentaries, apparently. But this thing was her, it was her first narrative feature. And I'm like, I'm going to see anything you make. This is fantastic. So I hope people get a chance to see St. Omer. I'm still, I'm, I'm now six years into doing um, films strictly by uh, uh, women. Uh, storytellers uh, it, I'm still finding it rewarding it's strange to me because like I, I, we said, I said over lunch to you the other day I feel like I'm on a different lap than everybody else because like you're going to see the Fablemans and you're going to see Glass yeah. Onion and you're going to see uh, was it not Fire in the Sky what's the, what's the Sam Mendes movie oh Empire of Light Empire of Light yeah oh, Fire in the Sky um, in the past I totally would have been all over those and now it's just, it, along with the fact that I'm not seeing quite as many people in as many spots as I used to before, which, I mean, doesn't matter now in an age of assigned seating because mm -hmm. we don't yeah. line up the same way we used to. 
Um, it's just I run into people a little bit more seldom because they're not seeing the same sort of thing that I'm seeing. But for me so far, it's been rewarding. I've, I've learned, I've found out about, I mean, you know, Alice Diop is an example of a new film, a new Sorry. voice that I found out about that I wouldn't have found out about otherwise. Um, I'm a huge fan, of course, of Chloe Zhao. I wouldn't have found out about her if I didn't go see the writer. So that's been um, an interesting experience for me. But speaking of, like, what was one of your discoveries of the week? What was a film uh, that just kind of jumped out at you that was like, I, you know, in the past, this probably wouldn't have necessarily been on my radar, or this storyteller wouldn't have been on my radar, or even this, like, genre wouldn't have been something for me that really just kind of jumped out and grabbed you with two hands. Uh, you know, it is, for anybody who's listening who has not done this, yes, it is as intense as it sounds that we're doing... 10, 12, 20, 30 movies in 10 days. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not like we're adjusted. It, yeah. is, it is still it is still a grind. And by the time you get past, like, film number 15, film number one starts to get really blurry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, like, it's, it's probably a film that I watched before the festival started. Oh, that's even worse. Um, no, but it's okay, because I watched it twice. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm going to give a shout-out to I Like Movies. Um, which is uh, the first feature from a director who's also a film critic, um, Chandler Levac. I think she still writes for the Boba Mail um, here in the city. Um, and I'm going to shout this out because it's very, very Canadian. We don't get, as Canadians, many um, homegrown coming-of-age stories. Most of the ones we see up on the big screen are American that are... Or they're neutral. Or they're neutral, exactly. Yeah. Um and this is unapologetically Canadian. It takes place entirely in Burlington and, you know, from the kind of Swiss chalet that they're eating to the Chantal Kravyazuk and the big shiny tunes, like, CDs that we they We get have. a big shiny tune shout There's out? There's a big oh, shiny wow. tune shout out. Um, Thank God, and this one is off the charts. Yeah, it's very Canadian, and the actor who uh, plays the main character, whose first name is Isaiah, and I forget the last name now, um, he was really great in this role because it's not a character that you should like okay. or have empathy for. He's very self-centered, like, thinks he's this grand auteur, even though he's in high school of cinema. <laughs> I think I've um, met him. Because he loves Paul Thomas Anderson and right. wants to go see Punch Drunk Love at the cinema. Um, and... Uh, yeah, his big dream is to get into NYU film school. But along the way, he's working at a blockbuster-like store and kind of uh, uh, forms a relationship with the manager there. Okay. Um, and, yeah, it was just... It was a very sweet movie. It is... There's tons of cinematic references in it, so okay. for any movie lover, you will love it. I will have to but catch up with that one. That was one I, I had it circled, but I just couldn't make it uh, work. Again, yeah. in, in case this is your first time listening, that's the other challenge of the week is you can sit down there and pick like your 20 movies or your 30 movies. Then you got to make sure that they all schedule together without mm -hmm. conflicts. And God bless you if you can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I can't wait to see that. I'm, I relatively sure that'll probably get a showing at Lightbox. They do. They yeah. tend to like bring in the Canadian stuff in the in, in the winter. Um, and if not, that's the kind of thing that strikes me as it'll show up on Crave because um, it checks a few of their boxes. My big discovery for the week is a storyteller named uh, Nikyatu Jusu. Uh, she directed a film that played the... I think you first came across it 
at Sundance, yeah. and you decided to skip it because you're a great big scaredy cat. <laughs> I am a big and, scaredy and cat. And I couldn't free screen this that one for you. Um, I mean, it's been now bought by Bloomhouse, um, which usually when you get that stamp on a movie now, it's like, okay, this is like the modern horror mm-hmm. stamp of approval these days. That That's one of them. Like It's like that A24 or maybe Neon or kind of the, oh, okay, it's going to be scary. Um, it's not scary so it's a film it's about a nanny uh it's about a woman from senegal who's emigrated to new york and now she's a nanny for this very very wealthy white couple in new york city played by michelle monahan and i can't remember his name but he's the brother on zoe's extraordinary playlist um he's a great actor I, i i feel bad that i can't remember his name i'll put his name in the show notes um and she starts out like really doing well in her job really caring for this this girl named rose uh i think she's about six they're about seven after a little while all of a sudden things start to get very very eerie and she starts seeing things and she starts experiencing things and things just kind of take a turn for the dark um it incorporates elements of senegalese folklore um, it is gorgeous. It's shot within an inch of its life. Everybody in it is so beautiful, even the terrible white people. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's succinct. It's, it's, it, it's very much like when I wrote about it, I said it's a marriage of Henry James and Park Chan-wook. So if you like those things, if you like either one of those things, you would like this movie. I, and, and I know you, like, I know, like I've, the ones that are like too scary and yeah. the ones that I'm like, no, you can handle this. You can handle this. Yeah. So now it'll be on my radar. Yeah. So if you don't like scary movies, you're okay. It's just, it's more <laughs> of an eerie movie. Um, was there anything else about the week in general that jumped out for you? Yeah. Well, as I said, I think, I think just one of the kind of overlying arcs in many of the films I saw was just people dealing with grief. There's and, a lot of trauma. And dealing with yeah. trauma, which I guess makes sense when you think about what we've all been through in the last few years, some more than than others without getting yeah. gimmicky mm-hmm. you know what I mean I think like the oh, first few ones that came through like stuff like Kimmy and stuff like that at home one that played on Netflix like I think that was more gimmicky of how can I shoot this without having to shoot this sure. yeah. now we yeah, we haven't quite come through the other side where you know where I think we're close but knock on wood um, but we're in an, we're in a spot now where we can tell stories properly and even if they aren't specifically about that, I mean, I did see a film called Tora's Husband about that, mm-hmm. which was really intense to watch. You're right. They're very much about uh, trauma. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, even, uh, I mean, if you want to talk specific COVID, I mean, Glass Onion brings some of that into the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Don't worry, it disappears very quickly. But okay. it was more like a jokey sort of, sort of thing where it was, they were just, they wanted to make it, known clearly that it was shot during that okay. time period um which I, i'm not going to talk about glass onion because everyone's going to see it anyways on netflix come december but um it, besides from the standpoint of it's a very worthy sequel but um but no i mean i think that there is a way to kind of tap into a lot of the pain that people were feeling and i feel like that's coming through in a lot of the art that we're getting now um and that was kind of an overarching thing which wasn't always easy to watch like during tiff that's why i made my last movie bros as a palette cleanser (laughs) but it's um but yeah i think that was a very big theme this year 
it's funny, you know, until you just mentioned it, I hadn't really thought about the fact that we are now going to see art that comes from what we've all just experienced. You know, like, like, like that's one of the things is you find that when times are good, the art kind of sucks, right? Because there's no angst, there's no rebellion, there's nothing to really push back against. When things are a little bit choppier, that's when the art kind of clanks up a few notches. Um, and like you can kind of go back to specific points in history and look at this and see this. Like when times are great, when everybody's making money and everybody's healthy and Western culture is in a good yeah. spot, it's all very generic and poppy. But when things get more difficult, you start to see stuff like, um, you know, like St. Omer and like whale and mm -hmm. those kinds of movies so i wonder now that you bring it up if we're about if we're like kind of at the dawn of something especially with everybody like not being able to create yeah uh in the same way like that was the thing uh, at at um sarah Pauli's second showing of women talking i almost said little women again um, <laughs> she mentioned how like filming that through the pandemic was hard Right, because everybody had to stay safe and there's a lot of regulations. Yeah. Again, there still are. It's not as hard as it was. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we're even able to have this right now is kind of a small miracle. Sure. You know, like last, what we saw last year, that was a lot of stuff that was in the can. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that was done, that was finished, that they were just finally ready to put out into the world. This is stuff that they created through the trying times. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm not seeing... I'm not seeing the wires. But no, although I wonder whether or not it's a time when we will see some more of these more contained films that are essentially like chamber pieces, right? So it's well, not a bad thing. No, a hundred percent not, especially for me yeah, who yeah. really loves them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, women talking—they're not going out and like they can do it pretty much in a contained spot. The whale is all in one contained spot. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on that barn. Even glass onion—it's all in one spot, really. So it's it's one of those things where you can. Um, you can create and show your creativity in a way that they did have constraints kind of weighing on them. Yeah. Um, but the fact that now you can see things where you never feel that, um, you know, I think we're going to see more of it. Are you ready to go back to work on Monday? No. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure it was not just me. Um, no. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's the interesting thing about like... It's bittersweet. Taking, taking, yeah, exactly. Taking time off and then going back into it. Along with the fact that you just go through this gluttonous glorious gluttonous period of yeah. everything being so much more possibly like more possibility let us not mistake like there are some clunkers uh -huh. you know this week we're not going to talk about them because i don't feel it's fun no. to kick a film when it's down uh in this kind of you know I, I you know these kinds of movies they're not properties these are these are movies that if we bash them they're gonna it's gonna have a huge effect yeah us not talking about them is already bad enough yeah so i'm just like i'm just gonna leave it at that yeah but it's it's great to spend 10 days going through that kind of that kind of thing um you know the this episode is going up on the 18th there is a little bit of time left if you're in toronto and you want to try and get out and see something tonight there's stuff the people's choice will screen or it's off hall tonight mm -hmm. so maybe take a look and see what it is um I have, I'll, be I, i'll be interested to see because yeah sometimes I have no there's like a clear cut yeah there's there yeah, yeah. I, I, if i was like to lay down 10 bucks right now i'd say fableman's yeah. i say that blind because uh, i haven't seen it it's it and it is very good it would yeah. be in my top like five yeah don't get me wrong i think that it's a it's feel good and the the spielberg uh you know 
Spielberg factor is strong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah. So it's, it's until the eighteenth. Um, or if you don't, if you if you want to try and do it sometime after hearing us talk about it for 25, 30 minutes now. Um, yeah. You know, like next year, tiff.net. Start looking in August and get yourself a pass or get yourself a ticket. It's a fun time. Um, you know, it's a crazy time, but it's a lot of fun. Um, Hillary's pieces can all be found at Live for Film. Um, there will be, of course, a link in the show notes where you can find. Is there any? Is there any one where you figure you really, you really got like? If, if I people... was really proud of actually my whale and the women talking okay. right up. So, so I'll make sure those are my, those are there my will be ones. definitely links for those, and yeah. there will be links for others. Mine uh, also went up this week. Hey, I was writing. Go figure. I haven't been doing that a lot the last two years. Um, it was kind of nice to get back to it. Um, so read some of those. Um, some of the films we talked about already, like. Nanny and like um, women talking. I wrote about. It. I wrote about some of the other ones that I didn't bring up. Um, and that's uh, that's TIFF. That's the forty seventh TIFF. TIFF twenty twenty two. We are going to bring back the podcast properly on Monday, October third. I still don't know what we're going to talk about yet. We might, given everything, get into "Don't Worry, Darling." Um, <laughs> I feel like Bros comes out that weekend, doesn't it? Maybe. We'll see. There'll that be something. Be a, that would be a worthy. Uh, yeah, come back title. October third. I'll be talking about something. Um, <laughs> find Hillary on. Uh, where can people, if people want to follow you on Twitter? Where can they find you? Uh, at Pet Doc Hill. Very cool. On my Twitter is the matinee.ca, matinee underscore ca. Uh, you can follow the podcast in all of the usual places: Spotify, Apple, Podcast, Stitcher, Radio. You name it, I'm there. If I'm not, let me know, and I'll put it there. Uh, but for now. Uh, we're going to eat some green vegetables and sleep <laughs> for more than four hours. Um, I'm so thankful that Hillary Butler was able to come by. Uh, if it works, I'm so happy that we were able to record out in this crazy space where it's a lot of noise and a lot of wind. Uh, for Hillary, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee. dark turns and